Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. On this Thursday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen, we're going all the way up until 8 o'clock. 704-570-1110, as always, is the number. And guys, follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And if you were following me on X a couple hours ago, you would have seen that I promoted tonight's show, and that is Don Brown is in studio with me for a full hour tonight. Don Brown is running for Congress in District 8, where we just had a debate oh, one week ago tonight, if I'm not mistaken, or excuse me, one week ago last night. And so he is running for District 8, uh, the congressional seat. And so, and this is going to be part of a series of a lot of candidates that I'm speaking to. Last night I had Dale Falwell on for 30 minutes, Chad Brown, he's running for Secretary of State. Tomorrow night I've got Deanna Ballard, who's running for Lieutenant Governor. She's out of Lincoln County. Most people think that she's going to finish in the top three. And so uh, she's coming on for 30 minutes tomorrow night. So we've got a lot going forward as we ramp up towards March 5th, the election day for the primaries. And I believe early voting starts February 17th, which is on a Saturday. All right. So, like I said, Don Brown is in studio with us today. And Don, first of all, thanks for doing this. I, I know there are a lot of different ways you'd rather be spending a Thursday night. So I really appreciate that. And I know our listeners do as well. Love BT, man. Glad to be here. Uh, so, so. I want to start, before we get into the, any of the political questions and anything like this, I want, to get, I want to get into the situation of what exactly did you do with Donald Trump? What was your affiliation with Donald Trump? Because I've heard like three or four different things, and I can never get a straight answer from okay. anybody. Uh, I was involved uh, in a number of key military issues uh, in 2019, and uh, the most direct uh, contact that I had with President Trump involved a young 82nd Airborne Lieutenant named Clint Lawrence, who I wound up representing. Lawrence had been uh, charged with quote-unquote murder for a firefight in Afghanistan in 2012. He was convicted in 2013 after the Army actually took his platoon and said, hey, you either testify against your lieutenant or we will charge you with murder. Under Obama's rules of engagement, they wanted to hand Lawrence's scout to Karzai on a silver platter. Lawrence became gone and forgotten. Around 2017 or so, 2015, I released a book called Extortion 17 about the shoot-down of a U.S. military helicopter with 30 Americans, 17 Navy SEALs, the largest loss of life in SEAL team history, about 90 days after the uh, Osama bin Laden had been taken out. I got involved in that when some Gold Star families asked me to look into it. As a Navy JAG officer, I had handled a major uh, F-14 crash in San Diego 
and got involved with that case and was on the Sean Hannity show several times, became oh, yeah. friends with Sean and some of the people at Fox. Around 2018, uh, I attended a Rules of Engagement conference. Rules of Engagement is a military term under which our forces can open fire, okay? And so I was down there talking about what had happened in the extortion case. That is the helicopter that was shot down. I'd written the book on it. And there was an Army JAG officer, now retired, named John Maher, who came, talk, and he was briefing on the Lawrence case. He briefed on the Lawrence case. It was very clear that this was a political prosecution within the military. I told John at that time, and I, I'm an author. Maybe you know I've written 15 books on the military. I said, John, uh, we will, you know, if, you, if you'd like, I'll write a book on this. We'll see if we can get the president to pardon. And John at that time said, let me continue to work through the military justice system. He tried. They, they slammed the door closed, even though we had biometrics evidence that two of the three men that Clint's the, the riders of this motorcycle that Clint's men shot were Taliban. We had evidence of that, and plus they never even pulled any bullets to show whether it was our bullets or bullets from the Afghans that killed these guys. But when the military justice system decided to protect the Pentagon and shot John down, he called me back in and said, okay, write the book. So I wrote a book, and I was brought in on the defense team with four uh, former JAG officers, one Navy, two Army, and an Air Force guy, wrote the book. Uh, Sean Hannity and Pete Lawrence, excuse me, Pete Lawrence, Sean Hannity and Pete Hedgesheth remember the case. They say, you write the book. We'll give you all the time you want on the air to try to get this back and forth in front of the president. The book was released in the spring of 2019. Fox News had me on numerous times. Every pitch was, Mr. President, pardon my guy. And so... In November of 2019, the president got the message. Now, I was liaisoning with President Trump through Pete Hedgeseth. So the president would call Pete and say, Pete, have Don uh, write, a, write me bullet points on the case, which I would do. In fact, just before the pardon was announced, the president called Pete and said, have Don write the press release for the White House, which I did. So I was liaisoning with the White House. On November the 19th, excuse me, the 15th of 2019, I'm riding down Pineville Matthews Road in Charlotte. And this is right after... Uh, this is right after uh, Veterans Day when we thought the president was going to pardon Clint, and I was talking to one of Hannity's producers. I got a call. It buzzed in. I'm looking down. And it says, the White House. I'm going, holy, you know what? The White House. So pick up the phone. It was Mr. Mr. Brown. This is Colonel So-and-so. I'm the president's military attache. I'm calling from the Oval Office. The president is going to pardon your client. He would like to know if he can talk to him this afternoon, which is a surrealistic call. So my relationship with President Trump is not like, Extremely direct, but we he, he he pardoned my client. I was providing a memos to the White House of working through Pete Hedgeseth, and that is the story, and that's the absolute truth, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, I, I remember both of those cases that you referenced, too, about the helicopter being shot down and then also yeah. that particular person constantly being on Hannity. And I remember the case, and I just, I was, like I said, I've heard 15 different things on what your association was with, and I was just, right. I just said, you know what, I'm just, that's going to be the first question right. I ask. And by the way, people need to understand this, and I think most people understand this, and I think most people realize this when it comes to me, that whether it's you or anybody else, no one ever knows the questions that I'm going to ask. Yeah. And so, well, that's I, what makes it fun, though. Yeah, you know? that's it. That's it. a lot of fun with these uh, undisclosed questions there, Brett. Um, <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, you know, you, 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 Pineville Matthews Road, living in Charlotte, got a law firm here, everything else. And I'm just going to ask the question, the exact same question I asked yeah. Dale Falwell last night to start the interview. What caused you to wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm going to run for Congress. You know, uh, first of all, that that decision did not occur until late 
October of this past year, so I'm late, late getting into the game. Uh, I think it was a combination of things. I think these political prosecutions that we've been seeing involving President Trump when Jack Smith and these people are going directly after the U.S. Constitution, I was, I was concerned about that. My son is, uh, was uh, nearly a year in the 82nd Airborne in Afghanistan during the last year of the President Trump's administration. He's now in another Airborne Division uh, you know, under a commander-in-chief that should not be in the White House. Um, I, I, people were encouraging me to do this. A lot of it has to do with my background. As you know, I have an extensive military background, served in the Pentagon, provided uh, military advice to the Secretary of Navy, written books. But I've also been involved in uh, a lot of legal issues. I've taken uh, you know, my legal training as a JAG officer and otherwise and, and gone after a lot of these hot-button issues. For example, I, I sued, brought a major lawsuit involving nearly 100 uh, Americans uh, who did not want to get jabbed with an unconstitutional vaccine out of the Savannah River plant. We took that case out of the way to the Fourth Circuit. I've been involved in representing Christians uh, before the EEOC who didn't want to take uh, this sort of thing. And I realized uh, that I've, I've got the, the tools, the background, the skill set um, to step in. Uh, I had, I've, you know, everybody in the race is Dan Bishop's friend, you know. And, uh, but the fact of the matter is, I joke around with Dan that I knew Dan Bishop before Dan Bishop before he was Dan Bishop, which is true. We go back thirty some years, and uh, he had lunch with me and a couple other guys uh, last uh, New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Eve over a year ago down in Waxhaw, and said, "Hey, I'm thinking about um, leaving the Congress and running for AG." I said Dan, "Don't do it. You're crazy, man. You're going to get reelected, and we've not had a Republican AG." Of course, he didn't listen to me, and um, it came to the real. I came to a sudden realization: we're we are losing a guy who was going to become a giant in the House of Representatives. If you saw Dan Bishop's cross-examination of Mayorkas, he ripped him a new one, Brett. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, and, 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 I mean, yeah. And he, that's why, you know, I asked the question during the debate is that, you know, how are you going to make yourself known? Because Dan Bishop did what nobody does. Right. Out of right. 435 people right. within a, two terms, the entire country knew who he was, exactly. and that doesn't happen. Well, Dan is a sharp constitutional lawyer himself, he knows the issues. He he is he, he's dauntless. He's fearless, and he's not. He's one of those rare guys that doesn't calculate what he does or says based upon uh, you know a political calculation. And I, I and I, you know, we're gonna, we're losing a giant. I do understand that I've got the tools to step in, and uh, nobody can fully replace Dan Bishop. But to to stay within that mantra. I mean, you give me some, where it's my orchestra or anybody else, I'll rip them a new one, too. I know how to do it. I will do it. I've done it many times. Uh, you know, uh, Brad, I kind of joke around. I don't always tell people I'm a lawyer because i got to have some friends, you know what I mean, <laughs> unless it's a need-to-know basis. Um, but, uh, but I have used, uh, you know, my legal training as a JAG officer and otherwise to, uh, to take on a lot of these issues, including the presidential pardon that you had mentioned earlier when President Trump pardoned my client. And, uh, and going after some of these unconstitutional vaccination mandates and other things as well. So uh, I feel like uh, when you strip away who's run how many times or who's got how much money or whatever it is, I think probably of the six, and I like my competitors, don't get me wrong, but I think that my background makes clearly makes me the best suited to step into the position so that we, won't, we don't miss much of a beat once Dan becomes our first Republican attorney general since Reconstruction. All right, so when we come back, Don Brown and I are going to start really getting into the crux of a lot of the things. So we've got his background and everything, like, you know, what he did or didn't do with President Trump. So you know that whole story about representing. I remember that case very well, um, where he represented that officer or, excuse me, the serviceman. 
um, and then also why he got in. Now we're going to get into the meat of the issues when we come back. He's Don Brown running for District 8 congressional seat. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Going up until 8 o'clock in studio with me all night is Don Brown. He's running for the congressional seat in District 8, which is the eastern part, southeastern part of Mecklenburg County, all of Union, half of Cabarrus, all of Stanley, uh, Robinson and Anson, and it just keeps going east. And you guys, so um, it, it's it's very similar to the uh, district that Dan Bishop won a couple of years ago in 2019. And it, it changes slightly, but for the most part, it stays the same. So, Don, last Wednesday... We had our debate on WBT, and I was told on Friday afternoon, about 4 o'clock Friday afternoon, that from the time our debate ended, which was at 9 o'clock, 9.01, I think to be exact, from the time our debate ended to about 3 o'clock Friday afternoon, people liked what they heard so much that you raised $50,000 in 36 hours. Is that true? Um, that is not exactly correct, but I can tell you this. I can tell you that, uh, first off, I, I wanted to open by complimenting you and Brett and Beth and Bo and Callender and Mark for the outstanding job that you guys did on that debate. That debate has lit my campaign on fire. We've had people calling, ringing off the hook. We've had volunteers coming forward. And yes, we've raised quite a bit of money. Not exactly that amount, though. But, um, but, the debate has been a turning point. We're feeling momentum like we didn't feel before. And, uh, and I think all, all six candidates had good moments. Um, but I was grateful for the opportunity. But the, the, the amount that you quoted is not correct. Okay. But I wish that it were. So, <laughs> but that was the number hey, I was heard. I, I, I heard I, in 36 well, hours you were raking well, it hey, in. Well, we have, we have had a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, response for sure. You know, I could always call my buddy Bradford, you know, and try to hit him up for a little bit. You know, I'm just messing with you there. But, uh, but um, the debate has been a, a very, very positive thing for us. I'm grateful to have participated. I think we did a, a decent job getting our, our uh, message across. Of course, you got to get used to the, to the gong thing. It's not like being on a gong show. I thought I started a little, uh, a little ragged, but closed fairly well. So, but I appreciate the question. Um, I'm also curious in terms of prior to the debate. Mm-hmm. People know who John Bradford is, or at least at least in Mecklenburg County. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of people all over that district, Union County, Cabarrus County, Mecklenburg County, know Lee Brown because she's been advertising for 15 years yeah. on radio. Right. I love her advertisements, by the way. Yep. Yep. Sure do. And people know who Mark Harris is. Yep. Mm-hmm. People in Union County know who Alan Balcom is because he's the largest landowner in Union right. County. Was the biggest issue with you just trying to get your name out there and, get, and, and have people know who you are? Was that I, the biggest issue? I think part of the biggest issue... Uh, I think that's part of it, but I think I think started you know really declaring we declared the uh, the Wednesday Thursday before Thanksgiving and getting started late has has gotten us off to a you know we're going to win this thing in the fourth quarter you know you're a sports guy I'm a sports guy we're going to win it in the fourth quarter 
but uh, but just uh, the realization I need to be in the race. And then, yes, um, of course, Mark, this is his fourth run, and so he's got name recognition. Lee's got name recognition. And so that's been part of it. But I think we're closing ground very, very, very rapidly, and I'm extremely excited by the reaction that we've gotten from from an army of new volunteers. And, uh, you know, we have uh, events coming up this week, and we're going to see how it goes. So we've got about two minutes here um, before we got to get to the news. Uh, I'm curious, in terms of the other five candidates, right? how are you different than any of the other five candidates? In ter- not, not, right. not your background, because everyone has a different background, but maybe in terms of policy. Where, where, do you, where do you think you differ from the other five? Well, thank you. Uh, you know, in these congressional races, not just in ours, but all across the country, every Republican's trying to say they're the most conservative, they love Trump the most, et cetera. But I've laid out specific platform that I haven't seen. And it's five parts. Number one, I specifically, as far as I know, I'm the only candidate in the nation to specifically call for the death penalty for fentanyl uh, importers. 107,000 Americans killed in one year. And that brat is more than died in the atomic bomb on Nagasaki. It is a chemical weapon. Secondly, I've specifically called for the death penalty for child traffickers. Then, Then third, I mentioned this the other night, but we've got to get the military involved in closing the border. We have 11 unified commands, four that are functional. I'm calling for a fifth functional command called United States Border Control, a border command to seal the borders because, you know, we can't do it with the Border Patrol anymore. It's too much. And then I'm calling for rogue prosecutor laws. We, you know, we've got to prosecute the likes of Jack Smith and Fannie Willis if they bring prosecutions solely for political purposes. I'm the only congressional candidate in the nation that's with this type of platform specifically call for all this. And finally, I mentioned this the other night, but I'm pushing, you know, we have nearly 3 million federal employees, $16.3 trillion spent in 2023. That is large, it's more money than the gross domestic product of every nation on earth except for China and the United States. So our federal spending exceeds Russia, Britain, France, you name it. The, the Administrative State Reduction Act would first freeze all hiring and then reduce the federal workforce by 50% over 10 years. That's a specific plank of my platform. I don't know that any of my candidates in this race have any specific platform. So that makes a difference, I think. All right, so when we come back, we'll jump into a few more issues. But right now, let's swing on over to the WBT Newsroom with Anna Erickson. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. We're going up until 8 o'clock. Special guest Don Brown has been in studio with me thus far the entire show, and we're all going up until 8 o'clock tonight. Tomorrow night, this... uh, Previews of the primary continues here on my show. Last night it was Del Falwell and Chad Brown, who's Chad Brown's running for Secretary of State, current Gaston County Commissioner. And then tomorrow night, Deanna Ballard out of Lincoln County. She's um, in everything that I've seen, like a top three candidate for lieutenant governor out of what, 11 people that are running for lieutenant governor on the Republican side. And so, and then next week, we're going to have Lee Brown in studio for an hour, John Bradford in studio for an hour, as well as Alan Balcom. The three others that are also running against Don Brown in District 8 uh, for the congressional seat that Dan Bishop has vacated by deciding to run for attorney general. If if this was asked during the debate, I apologize. But I'm just curious, Don. What's the biggest issue that Congress can fix that's the problem with America right now? Like, what's the biggest thing that, you know what, if we did this in Congress, it would alleviate this issue. What is that? 
you know, the, you asked the biggest issue that Congress can. Yes. The issue is Congress's political will to fix some of these issues. Um, the border could be shut immediately, you know, but there isn't the political will to do that. You see the Senate screwing around with all this stuff. You know, I'm going to pass this bill and part of the money is going to Ukraine. And, and then, you know, you can, you can declare an emergency and still have 1,500 uh, illegals come across. That is just political posturing, okay? So that's an example of Congress not having the will. The other thing is, and I've, I've hit on this, you know, there's, there is a national security crisis, which is epitomized of what's happening at the border. Uh, but we've got a budgetary crisis that is, you know, we have a $34 trillion debt. And I touched on this a little bit the other day. But, you know, every, you know, Rothschild is rumored to have said that, you know, give me control of a nation's currency, and I don't care what laws you pass. Meyer Rothschild is rumored to have said that. It underscores the power of a national currency walking hand-in-hand hand with, with a world power. During the, the biblical days, you had the Roman denarius. When the Brits, when they said sun never sets on British soil, the pound sterling was the international dollar of exchange. In 1944, at Bretton Woods, the dollar became the international currency of exchange. We, the Congress has been spending money like a bunch of drunk sailors. One of the reasons I'm running is because we put too much belief that a president can fix things, but the constitutional scheme puts Congress in charge. Congress could cut the money today. In 1974, there was an act called the Congressional Budget Control Act, which requires the Congress to split the budget up into 12 appropriations uh, slices and get it to the Speaker by July. That's only happened three times, Brett. And so what you want, what winds up happening when October rolls around, the budget has not been met, they pass these crazy continuing resolutions, which is money basically given to the deep state. It funds the likes of Jack Smith. I will not vote for continuing resolution. The issue is what does Congress have the will to do? And uh, we have to go to the floor of the House. We've got to send an army of patriots to the floor of the House to really kind of take charge of the situation and put pressure on them and hope and pray we get control of the Senate. You said you're, uh, I think you said during the debate last week that uh, a constitutionalist, um, and you're a lawyer in the legal ways. And so I believe Brett Kavanaugh entered that, uh, the Supreme Court justice, I believe he described himself as that way as well. What exactly does that mean, and how is that different from anyone else? First of all, I understand the Constitution. I lecture on the Constitution. I understand the basic principle of the Constitution that it is a great restraining device against excessive government power. We are a constitutional republic, Article 4, Section 4. We are not a democracy. The guy who wrote the Constitution, James Madison, said that democracy is the most vile form of government. So the Constitution itself is characterized by multiple checks and balances to restrain government power. What's happened is that a deep state and the Democrats and even some Republicans swear allegiance to it, then they turn around and take the position that you got a constitution over here, but government's supposed to be a lollipop factory to create goods, to bribe people's votes, you know, whether it's Biden unconstitutionally for trying to forgive student loans or Obama phones, you name it. But a constitution understands that through the lens of the constitution, government is to be limited. And we have to go in, and I mentioned this the other night, Brett, but this is part of this uh, Administrative State Reduction Act I'll propose. We've got to take a meat cleaver to the administrative state. We've got over 400 agencies, 3 million employees, 
They make the law, Brett, because they go in. Congress has advocated its responsibility. Forbes did a study a few years back that for every, in fact, 2022, that for every law passed by Congress, there are 19 regulations passed by these administrative agencies. These regulations, in many cases, have the force and effect of law. Uh, I heard your buddy uh, uh, the other day um, uh, doing a, an analysis, Vince Coakley, an analysis of this this uh, case that's before the court now. But right now, they have the power to make the law. And so most of the laws that you and I face on the federal level are by unelected bureaucrats. The Congress must have the will to cut these agencies. And we must return rulemaking to the Congress. This is where you hear the phrase, the imperial presidency. Congress has given these administrative agencies, mostly under the executive branch, the power to make law. And the Congress goes out and raises money and doesn't get the budget done by October, passes continuing resolutions, funds the likes of Jack Smith, and it's like it's like giving a drunken sailor, you know, more uh, vodka to swill on, and then the, the throw up in the morning. The Congress has advocated its responsibility. I feel very passionately about this. I don't know if I answered your question or not, but I think I did lay out part of the problem that we have to understand. So a constitutionalist, back to your question, understands limited government, and I can tell you, for every bill that I look at, propose, consider. Uh, I will vet it through the lens of the United States Constitution. Article 1, Section 8 sets forth the basic duties of the United States Congress. You know, the post office, the Army and the Navy, but there's no ro role for the Congress to have a Department of Education, for example. So the Department of Education must go. Every agency that is not constitutionally authorized must go. We have to take a meat cleaver to the, to the government, and that will be my mantra to do the best I can to try to cut agencies if and when, by the grace of God, I get there to Washington. What's the biggest need of your district in District 8 that you would be able to take the fight to Washington for or try to get, or try to get for your district? Well, there are two things. One, one I'm, I'm concerned about our Lumbee friends. The Lumbee Fairness Act must be passed. It's been sitting around there. Lumbees have not been recognized like well, other that tribes. Well, that was actually yeah. that was a question that I was going to ask you because the Lumbee tribe right. actually asked me to ask right. you that. I beat you to the punch, didn't I? Yeah, you did. All right, you guys <laughs> down there. I beat my man Brett Jensen to the punch. But I'm going to push that like a madman because I cannot take injustice. When I fought to try to get Clint Lawrence out of a federal – a U.S. military penitentiary in Leavenworth, I can't stand the injustice of seeing a young officer being – prosecuted for political reasons. The, the same thing when we were able to open up an investigation of the Armed Services Committee with Extortion 17. You probably don't know about that. I was working with the late Walter Jones, Mac Thornbury, the former uh, chair of the Armed Services Committee, actually opened an inquiry with the Pentagon. What's happened to the Lumbees is an injustice. I'm going to fight it. Like, I'm going to fight it with the same type of passion I've taken to a number of these other issues that I've been involved with. Second thing, the regulatory state is the problem. So, you know, whether it's the, the IRS, whether it's the EPA or whatever, unelected bureaucrats are a threat to the 8th District and to every district. 8th District is largely agriculture. Part of the problem with our farmers down there is that there is a, you know, with farmers over the nation, we have a small conglomerate of big companies like Monsanto and Tyson and others that are destroying the family farm. And I believe in the Sherman Antitrust Act. Let me tell you that right now. I saw you on your cell phone earlier, Brett. I've got one. You're a young fellow, so you don't remember 20 years ago when you made – wow, you, you're now as old as me, man. I, I want to know what your definition hey, of young is. Brett, you're a young whippersnapper. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm maybe exaggerating. I was, I was hey. born in, six, in the 60s. Okay, let's just keep okay. that right, let's keep that right. in there. So you remember when we were in school how expensive long distance was. You call home. 
My my daddy would give me a hard time for running the hundred dollar bill. But you know, just recently, when Ma Bell got busted up, my son is serves in the military in another part of the world. He's on standby right now to go to Middle East, and I hope and pray it doesn't happen. But I can talk to him for nothing because of antitrust. We need to take the antitrust weapon to bust up these large conglomerates so that our farmers in Union County and elsewhere can can have a chance at competing again. Because competition breeds improved services, better cost, the whole thing. And here's the deal. Big is bad. Power absolutes corruptly and absolute power corrupts. That is true whether it is in government or in the corporate world. And we've seen, uh, as an example, with this, this whole COVID vaccination junk going on, we've seen these huge mega corporations doing the bid, doing the bidding of a socialist government. Mussolini himself said that corporatism is the cornerstone of fascism. They're able to do that because these corporations are so big, whether it's Bank of America or anybody else, that mom and pop stores, mom and pop farms, the great which built this great economic engine of this nation, have not had a chance to compete. And I'm going to do everything I can so that our small businesses and our farmers can compete again, uh, whether in Union County or all across the nation. My granddaddy was a farmer. I grew up working on a farm. My granddaddy was a tobacco farmer. That might not be politically correct to say that, but I grew up working in the back and slopping hogs. So, um, you, know, I, I, you know, I'm kind of a country lawyer myself and really have a heart for those who work the land. And I'm going to bring that heart with a passion and with a lot of fight to the United States Congress if given the opportunity. When we return, we will finish up our interview with Don Brown. He's running for District 8 congressional seat, and which is a vast majority or a vast slice, I should say, of our listening audience. So when we return, our conversation with Don Brown continues. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. We've got about almost exactly eight minutes remaining here with Don Brown. He is running for Congress in the District 8 uh, seat, for the District 8 seat, I should say, in the Republican primary. And just, uh, again, a program note, tomorrow we will have Deanna Ballard, who is running for lieutenant governor, one of 11 candidates on the Republican side running for lieutenant governor. She's out of Lincoln County and a current state senator um, up in Raleigh. And then next week we'll have... Uh, in Don Brown's race, we'll have Lee Brown in for an hour, John Bradford in for an hour, and Alan Balcom in for an hour as well. And that'll wrap up the District 8 preview as we head towards early voting and primary day. Where are you going to be on primary day? Or where are you going to be on primary day? Well, uh, I'm probably going to be at a number of different sites and locations to be determined. But uh, we're going to be moving around quite a bit. And all that is under discussion now. Union County, Cabarrus County, Mecklenburg County. We're going to try to get down to, uh, we'll try to get down to Robinson if we can. So we're going to be moving around quite a bit. Certainly during early voting, we're hoping to visit all those places. The county is so large, it's uh, difficult to be in multiple places at the same time. I mean, I love all the counties, love everybody uh, in those counties, and our Republican voters especially. So 
We haven't. We don't have a set itinerary, but I'm going to try to get to every place if I can. Something that I know we didn't talk about last Wednesday during the debate, and and if we did, it wasn't in, in any extensive amount. What are your thoughts as a lawyer and as someone who is running to be a lawmaker about the mandatory vaccines for jobs? Because you talked about that a little bit ago about um, down in Savannah, but yep. also the fact that you cannot sue the makers of the vaccine. What are your thoughts on that? I don't like the fact that you can't sue the makers of the vaccine. I, when you, And, you know, um, the, vac- the vaccine that Biden was pushing still has not been fully vetted by the FDA. And um, I think that it's almost a criminal enterprise to force someone. You know, they, the Democrats say, my body, my choice. But when it comes to an experimental vaccine being jabbed into you, are you going to lose the jo- your job? It's not my body, my choice my choice. So I think that we, and I'm going to push uh, vaccine protection legislation so that Brett, you know, I can't say, Brett, you got to take this experimental jab on a fire from BT. That should not be happening. We, we pushed a lot of folks out of the military. And now this woke military is trying to get them back because they didn't want to take the vaccine. And the United States military was not even within the age uh, demographic that they were seriously threatened by COVID anyway. To me, that was the height of irresponsibility by Biden. And as a matter of fact, it's a national security issue because you don't even know what this vaccine is going to do. So um, I've got a big problem with it. This appeared to be a, a big government, big pharma conglomeration working together. And, you know, you heard Biden from his own mouth. You take the vaccine, you won't get the COVID. That's what he said. And then they start getting the COVID. And so Lindsey Graham, well, I took my vaccine and I got the COVID. Could it get a lot worse? They talk out of both ends of their freaking mouth and we're seeing people drop like flies. So it is an unconstitutional uh, uh, proposition to and to push corporations into it. The argument that we made in front of Judge Michelle Childs, who was one of a federal court, federal judge in Columbia, who was one of Biden's three finalists for the Supreme Court, was that you are engaging in the unconstitutional, excuse me, in the illegal practice of medicine. Because here, here you have, Brett, you and I could have a heart problem. And our doctors aren't telling us to take a vaccine. Somebody says, you got to take the vaccine or I'm going to fire you. Psh, they shoot you with a vaccine. And a lot of people dropped. And it is a criminal enterprise, if you ask me. I'm going to fight it with everything I can if it comes up again. So I hope I didn't go a little off the rails no. there. But it's something that I'm passionate about. Let me tell you. And I'm not taking it, by the way, and won't. I was just curious. Like I said, I, 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 you know, a lot of these positions I don't know your stance on, and I was just, yeah. and when you mentioned that you were involved in the lawsuit earlier, yeah, that right. it just sort of raised raised my antennas a little bit because I, mean, I was just like, oh, well, let me ask about that. Thank you for asking. <laughs> so, I'm just going to tell it like it is, man. But thanks for asking. All right, so we've got about three and a half minutes left, and I end every interview this way, no matter if I'm talking to a cop, a teacher, or a politician, or an athlete. Is there anything that I didn't ask you uh, that you wanted to say, or is there any final things that you want to say? Because we've got, like I said, about oh, three minutes or so, two and a half minutes. I'll just say this. Um, one of the reasons I jumped into this race is because we are at a cat- in a cataclysmic state in this nation. We were, President Reagan famously said and uh, that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And, uh, and if we don't get this budget under control, if we don't reign in the deep state, we are going to lose our constitutional republic. As a naval officer, as I mentioned the other night, I took an oath 
to defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I'll tell you, the survival of the American Constitutional Republic is more important to me than my own life. I could care less about political posturing. I could care less about running for this seat so that maybe I can run for the Senate. So I could care less about how I answer the question because somebody might not vote for me. I am who I am, and I'm a fighter, and I want to fight for the preservation of this Constitutional Republic. I've got to look my kids and my grandkids in the eye, win, lose, or draw, and let them know that I did what I could. And you can count on me um, to fight like you've never seen before of giving the opportunity to go there. Don Brown running for District A congressional seat. Uh, we've got about 90 seconds left or so. Who's winning the Super Bowl? Well, you know, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't see I, that I, one coming, did you? <laughs> I, I'm a Christian McCaffrey fan, okay? All right. And I think one of the many, many mistakes made by the Panthers was getting rid of that guy. So uh, I'll be pulling for McCaffrey, although San Francisco is not my favorite city. But, you know, it's going to be a good game, I think. And I was going to ask you the one question that I, you're – that I've, I've been told that every North Carolina politician, no matter the level, is told never to answer. The question is always, Western-style barbecue or Eastern-style barbecue? All right. Eastern-style barbecue. Really? All right. Now, let me tell you, because I grew up down east, okay? All right. Parker's in Wilson, you know, and uh, a little bit of hot sauce there. And those, uh, you got to get down there sometime and try it, you know. Uh, I grew up down that way, the hush puppies and the coleslaw. But I, I love them both. Don't get me wrong. But I'm a country boy from down east, so I grew up on it. So uh, that's what I'm picking, <laughs> given the choice. Well, I have to admit, I am. I'm. I would rather do eastern than western with all just western style. With you give me all that barbecue sauce with the ribs and the chicken, and that's yeah, great. Right. But with the chopped barbecue, right. I'm I'm with you all day. There you go. Seriously, thank you for coming in tonight. Like I said, you know we've got about thirty seconds or so, but I really do appreciate you coming in, and I know our listeners do as well. And if you missed any part of the interview tonight, you can go to wbt.com. The entire interview will be there. And as I always say, usually that's a little bit better because they take a lot of the commercials out. There you go. That's it. Appreciate so, being here. All right, everyone. So that's going to do it for tonight. And then tomorrow, like I said, Deanna Ballard, she's running for lieutenant governor. She's out of Lincoln County. She's a North Carolina state senator. And she is predicted to finish in the top three of candidates running for lieutenant governor. Have a great night. I'm Brett Jensen. And you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. WBT Charlotte. WBT-FM Chester. WLNKHD2 Charlotte. News Talk 1110.